The Joy Unleashed show empowers and inspires women to reclaim their joy. We provide tools, resources, and connections to help you unlock your true potential through engaging conversations, expert insights, and transformative stories. We create a vibrant and inclusive community where women can break free from the limitations that hold them back. I'm joyologist Colleen Greco, and it is my honor to be your host. Let's get right into the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Joy Unleashed show. I am your humble host and joyologist, Colleen Greco, and today I'm thrilled to welcome Christine Hetzel, a certified life and running coach who underwent her own transformation that then drove her to help other women achieve their goals. She uses a holistic approach steeped in neuroscience, positive psychology, and who couldn't use more positivity in their life, and cognitive behavioral tools to do this. And I bet Joya is sprinkled throughout. So without further ado, let me welcome Christine to the show. Christine, hello. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to be here, Colleen. First and foremost, I'm such a huge fan of your podcast and the work that you're doing. It's so important for us to really embrace joy. Oh, thank you. Yes. The check is in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) The royalties, the royalties. Whatever you want, just let me know. The holidays are approaching. Which Um, is even more important time for us to like really embrace joy. So yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. Completely. And I will put a shameless plug in. We are doing a holiday special all around claiming joy throughout the holidays. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, I can't wait to pull pull that together. And I think that's going to air December 4th. So really excited for that. Um, Okay, perfect. So a little bit about me just going right into that and why I feel like that's such an exciting um, proposition for your audience and they should definitely get in on it is that I had a struggle with the holidays for a long time because I worked in the mental health field and I felt like it was a very isolating time where we were being told that we had to have a lot of joy. And it wasn't until recently in my work that I decided I'm going to have to reframe this. I'm going to have to really create the community that allows us to harness joy. So what you're doing with kicking this off on December 4th is so very important because we can feel a little lonely even when we're surrounded by folks during the holidays. So such a great way of just harnessing that joy. 100%. I know that isolation and loneliness in general is, is the latest healthcare epidemic. And to me, there's no surprise given you know COVID and the aftermath of that, that people are, are feeling less and less connected. Um, they're connect, less com- connected in their community, their relationships, um, their job setting, it's everywhere. And so I really, you know, again, thank you for being here. Um, Cause I think that, you know, we have to do our part to tell people, in fact, give them permission to, you know, prioritize themselves, reclaim the joy that they are missing in their life and really, you know, shoot and strive for the life that they, they have always dreamt of. Emoji hands. Yes. Like let's, let's preach girls. Let's, let's make this happen right here and now, because I think that we all do specifically, I'm going to go ahead and address women and men that are are rolling through here. I want to give you a lot of love as well, but I feel that men may have a page for us to learn from where they tend to understand that prioritizing their me time is invaluable. And Mm -hmm. women usually steep their me time around guilt. But again, that prioritizing ourselves allows us to present more hopefully and with that joy to 
really give of ourselves in a way when our cup is really filled. So it is such a great time to allow ourselves to do that. And of course, as you mentioned, I am such a huge believer in the best way, one of the best ways, because they're all really great tools, but not just having that community, which I think is important, but also moving our bodies, right? Like the science behind it is phenomenal. And I think that's where we struggle a lot, especially this time of year it gets darker a little earlier. It's a little chillier. It's a little gloomier. So it may, we may be called to thinking that that joy is sitting in front of the TV and not really not shaming folks that, Hey, we all should have our TV time, but also seeing that moving our bodies is such a beautiful way of unleashing that joy. Absolutely. And it's a natural stressful reliever. In fact, I was just having this conversation with my husband last week. Our kids are 17 and almost 20. And so Mm -hmm they don't need me as much anymore. And I started to realize, although my my world is firmly rooted in joy, I'm sort of like having an identity crisis where I'm like, I don't, I don't really have to be like mom anymore. I mean, I am a mom, but I am not yeah. to always have to be around, take them places, buy them things, all of those pieces. And I said to him, I think I have to find my own life again. And he's like, I think you do. And I said, well, what about you? He's like, well, I've always had it. And I'm like, figure it, right? You're right that men do, I just think, yeah. naturally have those pieces in place and maybe don't need as much connection as as we do. That mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure there's some science behind that. But it was really fascinating to me where I thought, yeah, you know, you have always gone on the guy trips. Yeah. Colorado and visited your brother and done this and done that. And, and I stayed home. Like, wow. Yeah. You took on that primary parenting role where you were kind of keeping the family calendar. You knew all of the details that had to happen. And while, of course, he has a very important role within your family dynamic, it just still kind of has where maybe it's not quite as important for you to keep all of the details of the calendar anymore. So I see it as an opportunity to kind of um, create a new masterpiece of of, of an evolution of our life. So that's where I think if we lead with love and joy as we create that new identity or evolution. It allows us to, again, harness things that maybe in the past we may have had to put on the back burner. So you've had your own transformation and I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear a little bit more about that because that's brought you to the important work you're doing today. So can you spend some time for the viewers and the listeners kind of walking us through what your experience was like? Because I feel like we find inspiration in the most amazing of places. And I know there are going to be people that are inspired from your story today. Yes. So a little bit about that was that I consider myself a big worm and or nerd, whichever one you want to use. I use them both fondly interchangeably. So I wasn't necessarily the most active individual growing up and very close to my family as well. And my father, unfortunately, had a a debilitating stroke that rendered him um, with aphasia, which he couldn't speak. And also my mother at the same time was diagnosed with ALS. And I remember being on the floor of the bathroom at work, thinking my world's crumbled around me and I don't know what to do. I've been thrust into a double caregiving role that I wasn't prepared for. And these pillars of support and encouragement are no longer able to provide that. I have to figure out how to flip the script. And I also was very afraid of losing myself in the process of taking on that caregiving role. Um, 
And also, if I'm frank, if I'm honest, I was very anxious and very, I, I, I was riddled with a lot of fear. So of both my present life and what it would look like, because it was very clear that, okay, my genetics don't seem like I won the lottery from genetic wise. Like, And then there's also the fact that I'm not necessarily living my life with the best health focus. So it became very much just getting out for a walk to help me create a little bit of that me time that I was talking about, but a little bit of like a focus on trying to be a bit healthier. Mm -hmm. That walk turned into a jog, that jog turned into a run and that run became, I think I can do this. I think I could run a 5k. And once I conquered the 5k, I thought, Hmm, there's got to be a little bit more. So on that quest, um, went ahead and kind of ran my first marathon. And the minute I crossed the finish line, I think everyone that's done that, and I know you have as well, you have a bazillion emotions. And one of them usually is I'm never doing this again. That, that was, happened. <laughs> yeah, that usually does happen. And I have had races like that since that, but not that first one. That first one allowed me to see that I was a very different person than I thought that I was. I had written um, a story for myself. I had created a narrative that I gave up when things got hard and mm -hmm. training for that marathon and completing that marathon showed me that that wasn't necessarily the truth. So I was able to continue to want to do it more, of course, and challenge myself. So now over a decade later, um, I've made this passion that transformed my life part of what I do and am a big believer of if not running specifically, moving and grooving so that you are creating those health, of course, to be feel good, but also um, to just be very comfortable in your skin, more confident. And I think that that translates to all areas of our lives. I'm so glad you said that. I tell people all the time that physical fitness, any kind of movement is for your mental health. It mm -hmm. helps keep you grounded. It, to me, when I am running, Although my phone is on my arm, I'm untouchable. Nobody can reach me. I can just sit with myself, process my thoughts or not, um, listen to a great playlist, whatever, whatever it is I choose to do. And I just feel so empowered by that. But you brought up my marathon. This was one of the hardest lessons I think I've ever had to learn. It was 2012. It was the Boston Marathon. And so for anybody listening or watching, that that's been dubbed the hot marathon. It was 92 mm -hmm. degrees and people were dropping out even before race day. But I trained for this. My mother had passed away from lung cancer and she would always call me on marathon Monday and we would talk about who crossed the finish line and whatnot. So I was doing it for her. It was a fundraiser. And so I wasn't, I wasn't doing this for next year. This is happening. And so I can remember being out there and being like, I just don't know if I can do this. It is so hot. I I ran through all the sprinklers to try to keep myself cool. Side note, it also keeps your feet wet, which produces really big blisters. FYI. But I, it took me years, years to admit that I did it because of my ending time. Now, mm -hmm. it, wasn't, it was an official time, mm -hmm. but not by much. So I trained for probably four, four and a half hours. And I finished in just under seven. So that was a huge blow to my ego. But what I ended up telling myself when you're talking about reframing is 
how many people were on the couch that day mm. watching people cross? I was out there doing it. I was doing the thing. It was 92 degrees. There were people dropping like flies everywhere. I had Rudy from The Biggest Loser. Hi, Rudy, if you're listening. Behind me with his team of merry men trainers, like rooting him on. It was brutal, but I did it. And the hardest lesson was admitting that it wasn't what I thought it would be, but that it was an, an accomplishment nonetheless. I'm so glad that you said that because we allow ourselves to come from a place of judgment so many times. And I think that may be a limiting factor, a self-imposed limiting factor, I will say, where we may not go out for that walk or we may not sign up for that gym membership because we're worried about what others will think of us. Mm -hmm. And in essence, we start to act in a way that limits our joy because we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to do that or to relish the incredible work. By the way, your Boston Marathon sounds very similar to my Boston Marathon, um, unless if you want to tell, and I will tell you that if it was identical, if you tell me that you cried from mile 13 to mile 23, because that's what I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you might've been crawling in there too. I don't even remember half of it. I know I was in the medic tent for my back because it was killing me by mile 18. I, I just thought I was done. But again, there was that, there's that little thing that says like, you don't ever give up. And I, and I finished my poor husband, by the way, shout out to him. I, I know he's listening. Um, jumped in at mile 10 and never left my side. Untrained. Oh, oh, I know. Incredible. I know. I that was like, incredible. Are, are you sure you don't want to stop? Because <laughs> if you want to stop, I'll stop. <laughs> How beautiful. So when you hear us talk about this, you're probably thinking, where's the joy? Because this doesn't sound like a lot of joy, but that's the joy is mm -hmm. having that connection, having that memory, having that resiliency. Realistically, as you are well aware and losing your mother, and I'm so sorry for your loss, life is going to hand us a lot of obstacles. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we choose to challenge ourselves within these almost safe parameters, because of course there's always unsafe conditions that we need to take into consideration, but it allows us to see that we are stronger than we give ourselves credit for. And that translates again to bringing that extra sense of joy and putting a little pep in our step. But, oh my goodness. I mean, Boston, I will say was definitely one of the ones where I crossed the finish line and thought I would never want to do this again. And it comes back to why I am a run coach. I don't necessarily feel that that has to be the movement of choice for everyone. So I very rarely say that running is the go-to because while running is the easiest, and that's where a lot of the studies have been done in terms of how it helps to create neuroplasticity and rewire our brain and create that quote-unquote runner's high, we find that though across the board with any kind of movement that allows us to get into more of a um, elevated heart rate. So it just does really quite literally runner's high is um, a chemical that your brain produces that's called endocannabinoids. And endocannabinoids sounds a little bit like um, cannabis because it kind of has a similar molecular structure that creates that quote unquote runner's high that can be achieved in a myriad of ways. It can be created at Zumba class. It can be created at um, jazzercise, going for a swim or a really good, beautiful walk. So allowing ourselves that opportunity to literally put our brain to work for us, creating these beautiful chemicals that make us feel our best. Absolutely. Yep. I 100% agree. I also want to say though, too, for people that are interested in running, one of the things I hear 
more often than not, sadly, is, well, I'm not really a runner mm. because they can't run a certain pace. Mm-hmm. I really want to impress upon people because now we have this platform to do that. I don't care what your pace is. I don't care if you're running a 17 minute mile, you are doing the thing mm-hmm. that makes you a runner. Yep. So just because your pace isn't a five minute mile does not exclude you from that label. If that's the label that you want to use to define yourself. And I think that's a really important piece to stress. And I have a, I have a woman in the neighborhood that I um, coach in and out, you know, I kind of like coach her for a while. Then she decides she doesn't want to like train as much and we go back and forth. And she started at, I think about a 13 or a 14 minute mile. And she said, I'm not a runner. I'm like, well, you look like one to me. Like yes. let me take some pictures and I'll show you, you know, and we worked on her pace. We got it up. It was great. But I mean, don't shame yourself mm. or exclude yourself from a group that you very much belong to. Yeah, this goes back to, and that's the whole premise of Time for Brunch too in our community is that it is a platform to be inclusive of all paces, abilities, sizes, all those different aspects. Because ultimately, if you're moving your body and you are, you have a pair of running or jogging shoes on, whatever you want to call them, and you are out there moving forward, even, hey, as we say, if you want to turn around backwards, as long as you're being safe about it and you don't trip <laughs> over anything, cool, you're still moving. And that's really what's the most, most important of all. But I, I'm so glad that you said that. I think that's such a mic drop moment and goes back to the premise of the work that you do that's so important is that we have to allow ourselves the opportunity to grow into the things that we admire and we possess all of that within. So we have to rewrite our narrative. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, sort of jumping back a little bit to um, longer distance training, because it Mm -hmm. definitely applies there, although it applies in many other places, thinking about mental toughness, because Mm -hmm. that is that is the elixir that gets you through those longer races. There is, you know, there is a place you tap into that you didn't even know you had that gets you to keep moving. What are some tips that you might be able to share to help people to get into that zone while they're in the midst of an activity? Oh, I love that question because the best way to prepare for something is not when you're actually in it, but to kind of prepare ahead of time, just like if you were going to go out for a run or you were going to go lift weights before you even went out, you would prepare yourself with making sure that you had the right gear in terms of your clothes or that you'd have the right pair of shoes or maybe for us folks that are super into music. And of course, that's always a great connection as well. We would make sure that we have our playlist ready. So all of those things is very important and vital to feel prepared. But when it comes to grittiness, you have to start preparing your your brain by training it before you even get out on that um, movement. And a great way of doing that would be affirmations and meditations and visualizations. And these allow you to practice the words that you will need to utilize to encourage yourself to continue moving forward. It does get easier, I will say, or more practiced and more skilled. You get more skilled at it as you continue to surmount these challenges. And a lot of it is running for a why. And that's like one of the first things that I usually ask folks to do is, well, I have a couple questions that I have, but one of my biggest questions is why do you want to do this? And 
And while I'm not going to shame any reason, because I've heard them all from, you know, I have a uh, reunion coming up and I want to look smoking hot. Awesome. That's totally cool To I'm running to honor a loved one. Awesome. That's beautiful as well. But you have to connect to that. Why? Because when it does invariably get tough, you're going to have to recall that and almost have that as your mantra to continue digging deep. And I think that's also the beauty of it is that you allow yourself to connect to that grittiness and that gritty aspect of our brains. I love it. I completely agree. The why is, well, for me, it was literally written in Sharpie all over my body on marathon day. <laughs> Cause I, I came up with a fundraising idea that, you know, if you donated a hundred dollars, you could sponsor that mile. And I would put the name of your loved one on me. Um, in correlation to that mile. The, and by side note, um, sunscreen takes uh, Sharpie off. I, so, you know, it's not yeah. the sunscreen on, I'm like bleeding Sharpie. So just again, that's, that's a life skill that you now uh, have. So <laughs> that's a good one to know. That's a good one to know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think usually I ask folks when they're getting ready for a marathon or a race that's going to require some more of that resiliency to write them down on little pieces of paper and throw it in a Ziploc bag. But on mm. Sharpie on your skin, awesome. Just, you know, be mindful of that sunscreen of it at least. <laughs> but yeah, where again, were you when I was training? <laughs> yeah, it's okay though, because it might that likely would not have been as good of a fundraising idea, which is also very tough to do and requires a lot of resiliency. So that's amazing. Now I did talk about the fact that there's a lot of, mental connection. And I tend to go back to that because that's my love language, but there's also some practical tips as to how to continue to stay in it. A lot of it's fueling. A lot of it is um, making sure that you're fueled for the actual distance where sometimes we may tend to want to potentially restrict our, restrict our food. This is probably not the best time for doing it when you're into endurance uh, sports. Again, a lot of it may be physiological with like our breath. And I think that a lot of folks that say that they don't like running is because they feel like they can't breathe. Mm -hmm. And that's so normal. It's, I mean, I remember I still have runs where I feel like I'm gasping and that's where we have to kind of get more into that breath work and practicing taking in that oxygen maybe comes down to pulling back our pace. Maybe it's giving ourselves a lot of grace and permission to walk and knowing that that doesn't diminish the effort it still moves you forward and then you can continue to, to run or jog when you get back to it. Definitely. There is nothing wrong with stopping, taking a breath. You look at cyclists and cyclists have rest stops. Mm -hmm. They'll stop, eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, yeah. talk to a friend, maybe have a beer and get back on their bike. And that's, there's no shame in that. There is no shame in any of it. Again, the point is you're doing the thing. And you are challenging yourself and trying, th these are growth moments. And these are moments that, that elevate you to that next level. And that's, that's the whole point of, you know, why we do it. What does an engagement look like when somebody, you know, wants to work with you? What does that look like? Tell us about your community. We have, of course, I'm fond of our community. I think the most encouraging, welcoming group of folks out there, because while I welcome a diverse group of opinions and thoughts and think that it's always healthy to have discussions. And there are some very polarizing topics, even within the running world, which is kind of always amazing to me. It's very important that at the end of the day, everybody's treated with a lot of kindness and support. I do feel like the running community in whole is one of the most welcoming communities 
available to folks, but I have a special place in my heart for time for brunch community as well, because I see it every single day where they'll ask each other for support. It'll make sure to encourage others along the way, no matter where they're at in their journey. So of course, folks are welcome to join in uh, listening to the Time for Brunch podcast, but also joining in on the Facebook online community. If folks want it, if they're thinking, you know, I kind of need a bit more accountability or structure, or I'm ready to fundraise and put my why with my miles, then I would ask folks to fill out an application to make sure that we're a good fit. And then we would also have a consultation where I would probably start asking you some of these questions because I do think it's really important for folks to think of their why, think of the obstacles and challenges they may face during training, making sure they're in the right season for training. Because while I truly do believe that you can do anything you put your mind to, I also think there's seasons in our life that are more, um, where it's more readily available to have the stressors and the demands and the time constraints of running a marathon or running a half marathon or a 10K than others. And also kind of just having those questions and answered and giving that opportunity. So it's more of a, I always approach coaching with a collaboration in mind. It's not me telling you what you have to do. It's looking as to us working together in a partnership to make that goal or make that dream a reality. Highly personalized. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I think it's also, and I have the link here um, for your online community. We'll also have it in the show notes. Um, but I think it's also important to share with people that there are other activities that you can do that support those running goals. I can remember when I first started my training, I'm like, I don't see myself running that many miles every single week. I just know my legs. I've torn my hamstring twice, right? So I know I have some limitations. What else can I do? And so I did supplement with um, the elliptical machine, the yep. bike, because they're those are taxing other muscles that all, you know, they all work in tandem. And so mm-hmm. I think it's also you know, people need to give themselves some grace. One of my core values, I know you share your core core values on your website and you can talk a little bit more about that, but grace, joy, compassion, authenticity, all those things. When you, when you give that to yourself, you'll see your, your training and uh, your approach to training completely shift. And it's like, I get to do this, not I have to do this or I don't want to do this. It's I get to do this. And that's, that's just such an empowering feeling. Unless if it's doing my core exercises and then I usually complain and whine the entire time I'm doing it, but (laughs) it does (laughs) does help to understand the why behind it. So I'm at least able to talk myself through it, which is of course does help you to become a stronger and more efficient and less injury prone runner. But yeah, there's so many different ways of tackling it and kind of using the old adage that there's just, um, it's probably totally not appropriate to use anymore, but more than one way to skin a cat. And it's, you can attack or tackle any goal that you have in mind, a myriad of ways. It doesn't have to be that you're going out there and running 30, 40 miles. As you mentioned, aqua jogging has been shown for folks that are injury prone to have the same cardiovascular benefits, allow them to feel a very similar amount of conditioning so that they are able to get out there for race day. And just looking at ways to supplement and and training for it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Now, 
this show is about joy, as we have talked about. And of course, I've got it right there. Um, maybe you could tell us what brings you joy every day. Because one of the things I want people to walk away with um, is maybe ideas about um, how they can set their day up for success every day. I know I have a core practice I do every single day, not necessarily core in my stomach, but, <laughs> but I, there, I have regimented practices every day that I do to make sure that every day is set up yeah. to, you know, welcome and, and give joy back out to others. I think you said it right out of the gate. It's structure. I think we try to fight against structure. And when we think of joy, we think that it should be like this carefree, whimsical thing where it's just like every day is a day at Disney World. <laughs> and seeing there's beauty within finding awe and joy in the structure is really, really freeing and very empowering. One of my core things that I do every single day, and I've had this practice now going on, I think I'm over four years, going on five years, I journal every single day. And I won't say that every single day is filled with a lot of beautiful, deep, introspective thoughts. I don't foresee anyone finding my journals down the road and thinking, oh my gosh, she was a genius. We have to publish this immediately. None of that necessarily is the truth. Some days it's just a simple, I'm really tired today, but it was a good day, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. I do try to have a practice of finding gratitude within my journaling practice. And something that I'm not skillful at but I'm okay with being uncomfortable in finding that it's creating a lot of joy is meditation. So I'm a big believer of harnessing that power of our beautiful brains and meditation helps. But again, this is one of those things like core meditation. I'm not skilled at it, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> Definitely. And I, again, the tech is in the mail. I did not ask her to say that, but it's a great tee up to the fact that I've developed a best-selling journal on Amazon called The Daily Dose of Joy. I'm really proud of it. It has a lot of prompts, a lot of positivity to get people to journal because the thing is that we stuff so much inside and it that actually fuels our limiting beliefs. When you get it out on paper, you can then decide what to do with it. You can also evaluate trends, um, untruths, because there's a lot of those in there. But I have found I get to the truth faster by journaling than any other mode of communication, by talking it out to 75 different people, you name it. In fact, I was journaling this morning about something that was bothering me yesterday, and I always share my vulnerabilities um, because I think people think, like you said, like I live in this little joy bubble and nothing ever yeah. happens. No, stuff happens. I'm human. Yes. I just have a different outlook, right? But I was feeling... Um, kind of underappreciated. Right. Um, and just like, ah, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm not any good at that. Like, why didn't they like thank me or, or, or something? There was something there and I wasn't sure. And in about seven lines, I got to, my job is to give. Mm. That's it. Yeah. I'm just here to give. And I give and give and give to the best of my ability. It is none of my business how you receive. That's your job. And I can't, be upset with the way that things are received or not. I can't be upset if they're misunderstood. It is my job to give. And I, again, I got there in seven lines. 
See, and this is what's this is what's so beautiful about journaling. And I mean, honestly, we probably don't even have enough time in the day for me to wax poetic about how beautiful the practice of journaling can be. So, friends, if you have had difficulty with journaling, I feel like utilizing a journal with prompts is the best way of tackling it. So, absolutely, um, go grab this journal because it's such a great way of getting that started. But what you said resonated with a phrase that I remember when I was in the middle of my transformation, I was very fearful of what other thought people thought. And I wasn't living my life because I was afraid of like, what are other people going to think about me? And what you said was essentially the quote where what other people think about me is none of my business. What we choose to do is it it is what it is. It it does actually, while it's not in a vacuum, it needs to be done in a way that's integral and authentic, kind of like you said, what your core values are. And I think this is what journaling allows us to do. It lets us get into that. There's and there's not an exact number. They think there's about anywhere I've read from 3,000 to 10,000 thoughts a day that our brains have. And what journaling allows us to do is to see what of those thoughts are true, what are true for us in that moment, and what are maybe things that aren't quite beneficial or helpful for us that we can leave behind. But you shouldn't bottle it or just stuff it down. I used to joke that I would stuff things down um, with a pack of Oreo cookies. And um, that was not a good way of approaching life, my friends. Never like a bushel of apples or anything. No, no. (laughs) Things that would actually create joy. No, it was definitely, absolutely. I was looking for that quick hit of like, how do I feel best by getting rid of this uncomfortable feeling. And for me, it was just something that was a simple thing where now I see that journaling allows me to kind of sit with that discomfort a -hmm. bit and then learn how to approach it in a a way that's more integral with my values. I completely agree. And I, I tell people it allows me to see things from a multitude of angles. Like I'll start writing something and being like, I'm so up, I'm so upset with Christine because of X. Yeah. No, that doesn't sound right. How about maybe why? Yeah. No, it's not why either. And I kind of go around the the issue until I find the piece that fits. And it's amazing. And then it invariably turns out I'm not upset with you. I'm upset with me. And it's a mirroring issue. And it's like the most fascinating journey every single time. Yeah, it is. Once you pull on that thread and you can identify it and 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 really decide the the truth behind that trigger or that thread, you get to let it go, which means there's more room for all the goodness that's out there for you to receive. Yes. And you know what I love specifically about the journal that you have that has those reflection prompts as well is that I think people hesitate on a blank page because they also do believe one of two kind of ideas that they, that they allow themselves to, or the story they say is like, I have to write beautifully and perfectly and I don't know what to write about. So a prompt allows you to have that natural progression where you are able to kind of answer that and then let's see what that evolves into. And additionally, people also are really worried that in this process of journaling, that they are going to regress and need to like go into like decades worth of therapy to unravel those things. When again, I'm a huge fan of mental health and taking care of our mental health and therapy and it has its benefit. This is just seeing it as not allowing ourselves those two kind of thoughts to keep us back from such a transformational tool. So yes, I could wax poetic about journaling. I really do feel it's been incredibly, incredibly invaluable for me in terms of 
every aspect of my life. And very often now, one thing that I have found myself probably to the annoyance of everyone around me, where if there's a decision that I need to make that I'm not quite sure on, I tend to be very extroverted in like my decision-making process. And now I've learned to say, you know what, I'm going to journal on that and I'll get back to you because while I can poll people, it doesn't really necessarily mean that it's integral to what it is that I need for that decision. And I, I tell people too, if you aren't sure what to write today, write that. Yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to write today. And before you know it, something pops up and it's, it might be three or four lines. It might be half a page. I don't know. But I, so I have been caught many times saying, I'm journaling, I'm journaling. <laughs> and I'm that's journaling. beautiful. And then it's, it's like, oh, I'm mad at Christine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm probably annoying you because I won't give you back that decision until I journal on it, friends. So I could see where you would where you would be upset, but it's okay. We're going to work through it. So. I love it. I can never see myself being upset with you. You're amazing. Thank Aww. you so much for being on today. I have personally had a really, really great time, and I am sure our viewers and listeners um, feel the exact same way. Where can folks find you as I put that up on the screen? Yes. If you're heading on over to the Instagram world again, um, you could find time for brunch podcast. You can find me specifically TFB coach Christine or join in on that really welcoming online community to kind of get some of that encouragement and support that you need for your own joy. Beautiful. Thank you, Christine. You you've been absolutely a distinct pleasure. Thank you so much, Colleen. That was another great episode of joy unleashed. Feel free to subscribe to my YouTube channel to make sure you get the latest and greatest right in your inbox. Thanks for joining. Thank you for tuning in to Joy Unleashed. As always, it's my honor to be your host and joyologist, Colleen Greco. Follow me at the Colleen Greco on Instagram for daily motivation and inspiration. And don't forget to leave my show a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, sisters.